Welcome to Season 2 of So Much More, a lifestyle podcast by Dennis and Heather Drake. So Much More is a podcast based on our lives, eclectic and inspired, one where relationships are honored and invested in. We invite you to join us as we continue a lifestyle and a lifelong discussion. Well, hello, everybody. We're back at the the old podcasting studio, uh, Heather Nine. We have a special guest, a really good friend of ours, and uh, uh, we have um, Brad Nelson here today. Mm -hmm. And Brad and I and Heather always seem to have amazing conversations, so it's kind of, uh, we thought, why don't we podcast one of them and see if anyone else thinks that the conversations are interesting or applicable Mm. or whatever so welcome brad yeah thanks we met brad through our kids um and through nathaniel had met you first and heard you speak and was like came home and was so not just (laughs) impressed but like inspired and like telling us all the stuff that he had heard and experienced and then apparently you had called him he doesn't really love to speak out but he felt comfortable enough to do it and so you know he walked back upstairs to his room and we were like, wow, who's that guy? And then, <laughs> really interested in somebody else who has these kind of, uh, and then through a couple of like, it seemed random, but obviously not, um, situations where somebody invited you to a, an yeah. event, you invited us to an event. And then Catherine spent more time with you and she's like, mom, you really got to talk yeah. to Brad, spend some time with Brad. And then, so we made it work. And then immediately we agreed the same thing. Like this is a spiritual friend. This is not just, you know, there's people that you meet and you can be friendships and there's other people that you're like, Oh, there's just that something. I remember when I was a youth pastor, um, parents would sometimes come to me and go, you know, I can't get my kids to do anything, but when pastor Dennis says to do this, (laughs) you know, they'll do it, you know? And so, uh, and then kind of, I think you might've been our first, experience at that because uh, our kids are like, Pastor Brad is the greatest. We're like, well, you know, we've been preaching this thing too for a little while. You know, what's funny is I I remember that specific talk and it was one of those, you've probably had this as preachers where you, you come up with something and you like, you have an acronym. And so you, you like, you make the acronym and I was talking about uh, nonviolence and Jesus's teachings on nonviolence in the Sermon on the Mount. So just really light topic. Yeah. Super light topic. (laughs) Oh, for but, the kids. Exactly. Yeah. But, Which they need to be. But I like I came up with this acronym of like, hey, here's the brilliant thing that Jesus does. He absorbs the evil that's done to him. He refuses to respond in kind. He surprises it with creative grace. And in the process, exposes it for the sham that it is. And so like that's what it looks like for us to do the same thing. Absorb, refuse, surprise, expose. And I didn't realize that I had created the acronym For ARSE. Course. I was listening and to you so, the whole time going, really? <laughs> this is great. And so I ended up saying, like, yeah, Jesus wants you to get your ARSE in gear. And so <laughs> <Okay>. that's... <laughs> that's great. That would be very memorable. Yeah. yeah. Very memorable. Yeah. yeah, we bring it around somehow right. when we're working with youth. Yeah. And the plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things that, just based on that, uh, idea that you just presented, though, I think sometimes as the church, and we don't always just talk about spiritual things, but since we are all pastors and have grown up in the tradition, it's going to kind of get back to this. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we forget to talk about really important things and difficult conversations yeah. with young people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to do let's play volleyball five you know minutes of this and then a little bit of discipleship. Yeah. When they, I've seen the homework these people are doing. Yeah, it's 
algebra. It's pre-calc. Yeah. They're really smart. Yep. Let's talk about the things that matter. You know, Trish and I were just talking about the the teach. I'm doing a teaching on Mary at First Love. Yes, this, next week. This Exciting. coming Sunday. And I was talking to her about how Mary is probably between 13 and 15 years old. Yeah. And we have a 13-year-old. And what? how amazing is it that she would say yes to all this risk? And Trisha said, you know, though, I... I think sometimes young people have that kind of courageous naivete that in order to mm. say yes to the crazy risk God's calling you to, you sort of have to have that innocent naivete. Otherwise, you might not have the courage. Yeah, and I think, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that the capacity, though, for what young people have is far greater than we give them oh, credit yes, for. Yes. And Absolutely. that's kind of the thing that from the time our kids were little, I when they were babies even, I would speak to them like they were adults. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, because I always hated like baby talk. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, they don't understand what you're talking about. And I said, yeah, but at the earliest moment that they're able to, mm. they will be there. And if, yeah. if I have to catch up because I'm doing the baby talk, you know, what, what am I missing there? And I kind of carried that thought over into my youth pastoring mm -hmm. that I wanted to preach them to where they were going not like people say, oh, you preach to them where they're at. Yep. But I, you know, to me, that just seemed like, like you said, like let's just play volleyball and goof, you know, play video games and stuff. And we had all that kind of stuff. But when it came time to, and I thought we had tremendous success in youth ministry, and it was mm -hmm. because that we, you know, those kids felt, man, we're respected as, yep. uh, you know, for Absolutely. the value of who we are. And you know, you did that with my children mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have respected anyone that played games because they come from a, a you know a family of, of ministry yeah, and so it's kind right. of you know so right. they had to find you know for them to be challenged by that kind of shows that you had that same you know uh, mindset and I think that we have to have that you know in our families as well you know that we're yeah. not talking down to anyone we're in the season of advent while we're actually doing this recording and in that season I think there's this practice where we can with really um, intention, hold Mary and who she is and mm -hmm. even Eve and who she is in that same thing. And yeah. this idea that we can be both, but talking about someone who is young and maybe has some, you know, inexperience that will allow her, I think that based on what we know of her in the actual testimony is that she was studied, mm -hmm. that she knew the scripture, yep. she knew the promises. And in that, I think, if it is tempered by spirit, which clearly she recognized the angel, mm -hmm. so we see this, I think there's an ability to trust. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes mm. as we get older, we forget that yeah. we become so cynical yep. that yeah. we've seen it, we've heard it, we've done it, it hasn't worked, so there's no hope. Mm -hmm. But in that trust, there is this hope. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe this will be different. Yeah. Maybe this will matter. Yeah. You know, there's there's sometimes, too, a, a place of counting the cost so much that you won't ever... Yeah, you don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I think about Heather and I looked at one another. We, we uh, fell in love, attended the same church. And so we're like, okay, let's just get married. You know, and, and I have a friend now who's uh, considering his third marriage. And so he's going, should I do a prenup? You know, <laughs> do, we're do asking I wanna, all the questions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, my, in my late 40s or whatever. Should I, should I have more children? You know, all these things are like, uh, well, if you, if you look at it from that standpoint, it's going to be hard to get going. Yeah. Now that I were just, we didn't know enough mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to think we could just say, hey, I'll, I'll love you for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then just kind of have the uh, trust in, in God that you actually can pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, trust is, 
that is just dangerous territory for oh, me. Yeah. We kind of got into the this a little bit in that conversation we had a number of weeks ago um, around anger and resentment. But trust and hope can feel like dangerous things. Oh, they are dangerous. Yeah. Oh, yes, no, not just feel like it. Mm-hmm. They are dangerous things. And I think that is the, the beauty and the power behind yeah. those images. And I think that's why people, again, evil people, people who have evil tendencies or experiences. I know people aren't evil in themselves but that's why they want to squash hope because Mm -hmm. they know that what can be ignited in that we had a conversation a few weeks ago about anger and resentment and again though this is not necessarily a podcast that is meant to be a spiritual instruction we who have been formed by this type of faith Mm -hmm. and even in the idea that we have to unlearn so many of the things that we were learning. I was thinking about this podcast. I'm interested very much in what we would, how this will evolve. But I was thinking about, I I would consider myself, if somebody asked me to judge myself, that I'm anger incompetent. And by that, I mean, like, I know it's there. I just don't have the right practices. I haven't done the thing. So there's an incompetency. And when you are incompetent, then there's a hesitancy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you feel proficient at something, you're like, I can do that. I've practiced. I know how. And then there is, for me, this really big, uh, I don't know how to do it. And I think part of that was, for many reasons, but with self-reflection, part of it for me was the tradition of faith that I grew up in. I mean, I was taught to read the scriptures before I could understand them, which is a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. So I read in Matthew where Jesus says, if you're angry at your brother, you're going to receive judgment. (laughs) And I was like, none of that for me. Thank you very much. So therefore, I will not be angry. And again, this is like a five-year-old understanding. And then I take that entire understanding through my whole life. That's ridiculous. Yep. We have to allow ourselves to evolve in and mature or grow in those teachings, but also then really examine ourselves and go, this is a kid making this choice. Right, right. I actually, um, I think of, there is a clip that I saw. It's, it's like a NASCAR clip. It must be from the 70s. And the, at the time, they used a particular kind of fuel in the race cars. And so this guy comes in with his car to the pit and there he's on fire, but you can't see the flames because this fuel, when it, when it is lit, it's invisible. So it looks like a really, it looks like a really silly clip, but the dude is actually on fire. And I think like for me, what resonates when I hear you describe like anger, incompetence and growing up being taught about anger in the Bible, thinking of it that way, is we just agreed not to see it. Yes. But we're, we're on, like, there are these invisible flames that are burning up our lives. And that, for me, I think was the recognition of, oh my gosh, I wouldn't call myself an angry person, but I just had an experience and an awareness to realize that I'm engulfed in flames. I am deeply angry. I'm outrageously resentful and I'm I'm reacting from that place and so like learning to come back around to um I love like Psalm 4 I think Psalm 4 4 be angry and do not sin ponder it on your bed and be silent right that would have been a much more helpful (laughs) well can I tell you then then I would counter with somebody in probably the evangelical world would say, but 
don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Right. It makes so much more sense to the psalmist going, take a rest. Right, now, exactly. Think about yeah. it before you respond. Yeah, yeah. Like, just rest. But instead, we're all worked up about having to uh, resolve this, resolve and then we're it. tired and cranky. Yep. I mean, what do we do to kids? Yep. If you're angry, just take a rest. Take mm-hmm. a nap. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to it. And as adults, we're like, this has got to be done now. Yep. You know, yep. you know, when we're talking about anger like this, I, I think it's important for uh, you not to come into the conversation with your definition of anger. Um, Are we going to provide one? Well, I just think that we need to make some explanation for what we're talking about. (laughs) Because I think so. as as every person listens to it, they they come in with their own personal definition of what that means based on Mm -hmm. how they respond or how they feel or perceive anger. And so uh, I I have a very um, atypical anger problem. Uh, you know, I get mad, lose control, blurt out. It spills over onto people, hurts people. I act out. I I make I make the ass. I embarrass myself and others, <laughs> and that is the anger problem. That is anger mm. in most people's definition. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about anger today, we're going to talk about that guy, mm-hmm. and then we're going to talk about what it's like to deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it's like, you know. And so I think that if we because when you said I, I feel like I'm, I have this, you know, I am angry. Then I think a lot of people go, "Oh, well, he's the guy that's going to punch someone in the street." Yeah. Well, you know, that <laughs> could not be no. further from yeah. the truth of what we're saying here. Yeah. So I think that you know, like, uh, I I think that if someone was talking about anger, they would say, "Well, you two don't have a seat at this table." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you That's don't have a voice so yeah. and, particular, and particularly as a woman because anytime a woman gets angry we consider her off hin- uh, mm. the hinges are broken oh you must like she's exactly yeah, you must particularly <laughs> if you're a woman of color <laughs> then you're not allowed to be angry about anything yep. you know like there's just such judgment there's all these little roles the world has given mm-hmm. us to play you can be angry in regards to your kids like if you're a mother bear that's acceptable mm-hmm. But if you sense the injustice upon yourself or others, that we just yeah. take it down a notch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that when you talk about, you know, you being anger incompetent, you know, I think that that needs further explanation. But because, <laughs> but I think to myself, like, you know, you would, my judgment or opinion of by living with you is for more it's than a, 30 it's a, la- it's a lack of practice <laughs> yes and you should- <laughs> it is incompetence you can everyone can see the incompetence yeah. you there are other things that i would consider myself proficient you not can't here. play guitar either no. but you've right. never picked one up right so you're incompetent at guitar and anger and because yeah. you don't pick it up and then but i would say that i've lashed out it seems like a billion times and I'm incompetent at, you know, I can't do it right. Cause mm-hmm. I then have all the shame mm-hmm. and the, the sorrow that comes from what I just did. And then my cross to bear is I did that. I'm ashamed and want forgiveness. So I want all of you to blow past it and forgive me and, and not let's speak of, let's never speak of this again. Mm-hmm. But then your personality is you carry those words, you carry that pain. And I'm asking you to do something that's kind of against the nature of who you are as a person. So, I mean, there's just, there's a whole dynamic in when we have this conversation of anger, I, I would like for hopefully for people to be able to approach it with how they see it, but also maybe begin to see, uh, I don't know, for me, the revelation that not every person is like me was profound. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, cause I just growing up is like, I, my marriage would have been, you know, my mind would have been better as soon as I could get Heather to start thinking and acting like me. 
You know, it's like, well, the problem is she doesn't get that. It's you just blurt out your anger, then you move on, and everyone's fine. It's well, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Unless you're me, that babies. Unless you're me, that it makes don't perfect throw sense. Throw a tantrum. But I'm just saying. My point for saying that is that once you realize that people, you know, like like Heather will say things, and still for the life of me. It just seems insane that you would think or behave that way. But really trusting that she's wired that way, I'm wired this way, and respecting that, mm. that I, I can't ask someone to handle this thing the way that I would because mm-hmm. we're a different pe- – I don't know if I'm even making sense. But. Oh, totally. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's how I think of it because um, I, I love the distinction that you're making. Um, so I'm actually working on a thing right now for the book of Ruth, and there's a really interesting progression in the book of Ruth. One of the things that shows up at the beginning is uh, in the time when the judges ruled. If you know anything about the the Hebrew scriptures, the time when the judges ruled was a time of absolute and utter chaos, not just in Israel, but all over the world. And the the refrain that keeps showing up in Judges is, um, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So it's essentially this world where, uh, here's what I want, and if I don't get it, uh, like you're dead. Like it's a very angry world, kind of like what you're describing. Like I didn't get what I wanted, and now I'm just gonna uncork, and everybody's gonna know about it. But then the story shifts to Bethlehem, and in Bethlehem, in Ruth, you get all of these really fascinating Old Testament. Um, like here's how here's how God wants His people to be different from the world. So when you harvest your field, you don't you don't go all the way to the corners and the edges. You leave some for the poor. You in other words, you don't get to live any old way you want to, because you represent me. So you are obligated and expected to love people in certain ways. And I think that's really beautiful. It creates a kinder world. It creates like sure. a, a more peaceable world, but here's the thing: it can also become a hotbed of resentment. Mm. And so, the kind of anger that I feel is the kind of anger that I think grows out of obligation and expectation. Because you know what? Sometimes I have in my life given money to an organization or a cause, not because I was excited about it, not because I believed in it. But actually because I invited that person to the fundraiser for the thing that I'm passionate about, and then they invited me to theirs. And now I feel kind of obligated. Like I'm, I kind of have to or I'm supposed to. Or I get an invitation to a wedding, and not because I know the bride or groom and I'm excited to be a part of this next chapter of their life, but because it's my boss's daughter. And if I don't mm. show up, and the whole time I'm there... I'm like checking my watch. Like, when is this going to be over? Or um, the flip side, expectation. Uh, this doesn't. This didn't happen to me a ton, but there was a season where I had a job at this huge mega church, and I, like, I was responsible for all of our guest musicians, all of our guest teachers. So I was like the gatekeeper to this huge platform, and it didn't happen always but you could tell there were some people who wanted to be in relationship, not with me, with my role. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not because of who I was, 
but because of what I could do for them. And I think when you live in church world for a long time, yes, that obligation and expectation creates a, a kinder world, but oh my gosh, like you wake up one day and you're like, holy cow, I am so angry. <laughs> and it doesn't look like the person who's uncorked. It looks like somebody who's keeping score, who is so filled with resentment. <laughs> mm. um, so that's, that's kind of how, that's sort of how I see the, the distinction there. I love just, and this is just a little side note, but you were talking about the understanding the Torah and the laws that are giving and how they, they're they meant to have a different society or a different yeah. outcome on community. And we've talked about this even with our children. You know, when Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth mm-hmm. for a tooth. And, and of course, Jesus asks us to go further. Mm-hmm. But first, there had to be a law that said you can't measure yeah, out right, justice. Right, that has, right. And sometimes I feel like that's what's happening with anger yeah. with people. There is no cap on what you'll do. Mm-hmm. So you pulled out my eye, so now you're going to die. It's very different. It seemed yeah. that a lot in children, yep. like in even the way they play and things like this, and this idea of obviously the Jesus way higher and better yes. going loving and forgiving is so much better than just measuring out. And I think sometimes in marriages, it feels like we're still doing eye for eye. Well, you did this to me, so then Mm -hmm. this is my right or my, uh, I get to do this to you because as opposed to going, well, there was shown a higher way. There Mm -hmm. is a different way to live. Yeah, actually, um, I see this progression in the text. So Genesis, you know, chapters, especially verses 1 through 11, that you get this like escalating cycle of violence. So when Lamech sings his song to his wives, Ada and Zilla, like, I have killed a man for, you know, injuring me. I, I've murdered somebody. And um, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times, or 70 times seven, right? And then you get the, the stipulations in the Torah that say eye for an eye. And for us, that, that can seem really kind of primitive and barbaric, but that was revolutionary. Oh, absolutely. That no. meant... All right, so in in the world of escalating violence, you insult me, I kill your donkey. I kill your donkey, you kill my cousin. You kill my cousin, I kill your family. I I kill your family, your tribe goes to war with my tribe, and pretty soon the whole world's on fire. And what, like, eye for eye says is, no, there's a a cap. There's a place where that stops. But then Jesus comes along, and he does a callback to the 70 times 7, except this time... It's about the escalation of forgiveness and grace, not the escalation of violence. So he, he, like, he is totally taking it to this deeper place that is the place where like anger and vengeance go to die, but they have to die in you. Right. You know, I was watching this uh, podcast and they were talking about, you know, video podcasting and they were talking about, um, you know, uh, technology and you know, things that are unexplored and, and, uh, you know, the, the power of, of implosion is being studied as, 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 and of course I'm no scientist versus explosion, you mm-hmm. know, explosion is the power that, that really primarily 
functions most of the stuff that we yeah. have. So the power of implosion is 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 the opposite, mm. you know, and and that that it's virtually un, unexplored, you know. And it, to me, yeah. when you're saying that, it just makes me think about how Jesus is so revolutionary in his thinking because there's there's the the power of of us exciting yeah. uh, exacting judgment yep. to to you know seventy times seven, and he's talking about forgiveness. So mm-hmm. we're going the other direction in this uh, exponential oh, way, that. yeah, you know. So. Uh, to me, just what Christ brings to us is going to be, um, oftentimes, just the al- alternative or the 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 other, yeah. but it's the answer, you mm-hmm. know. And and to me, that's what the grace is that we're we're going to kind of naturally exist on a plane or on a trajectory that's going to lead towards anger, mm-hmm. more, you know. So there is going to be you know, the antithesis at some point that he wants to bring to us. That's what Christ offers. Yeah. But yeah. but we've got to find that and figure it out, trust it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, move in that in that counter intuitive um, direction, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I find this conversation interesting and, and I, I wouldn't want to leave us, you know, at the point of just defining our anger. Uh, and I think that we can you know, have a conversation further, but, but I, it kind of leaves you out. Do you have an ability to, do, to put a definition on the type of anger that you experience? Because I think it helps people to hear Brad talk about, I mean, for me, I can only imagine what that's like because that's just not my world, what you explained. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like that anger manifest, you know, to me that, no, you, you get a feeling and, and you want to hit, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's like, and, and then you do it because it feels better for a second, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, and so, and so a lot of people, again, my mind probably being the most atypical, most people are going to just say that is anger. And so when you explain that, someone else might find themselves, like I remember a couple of years ago, Heather saying to me, uh, I've never really, she read some books or something. I don't know who it was, Allender or whatever. It's like, oh my God, I actually have anger. You know, like yeah. she didn't even, because it's so, because nothing of what I do is in her wheelhouse in any form or fashion. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like she wouldn't even identify herself having anger. I mean, obviously you've had the feeling, but but in terms of yeah. of what it is. so We've spent a couple of years trying to work on this because I think one of the times we went to Retrovi, we were talking about the, every feeling you have, there is no morality in it. Mm-hmm. The feeling gets to just be there. The feeling is not you. What yeah. you do with yeah. it becomes the choice or what you allow spirit to empower you to do with mm-hmm. it or how you transmute whatever it is. But our feelings, the things that we're going through, kind of have to be leaned into as opposed to just repressed yeah. or again, make a judgment toward this is good or bad, but it is in the outflowing of those things that we can tell. Because they're really, I think emotions are just signals. Mm -hmm. And so to be upset at the signal doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Mm, I remember a lot of that conversation that we had about it. I think part of it was I began to study the Enneagram. If people haven't done it, that's fine. Mm. And really look at it. And one of the things that they marked, I felt so much connection with one particular thing. And then they marked it as, having a problem with anger. And I was like, well, then that can't be. Everything else kind of lines up, but that's just weird because I'm not angry. And then I began looking at like uh, what anger actually did, what was meant to do. And then I thought, well, I have those things, but I was told or taught the scripts I were given. And most of them, again, in childhood, and yeah. I'm still living the same. I mean, I've grown out of a lot of things. I mean, my handwriting is different. The way I put my shoes on is different. Yeah. You know, I've done all these other things, but I'm still ha- allowing anger or an emotion 
based on what was the script given to me as a child or what with my seven-year-old brain I came now I came I come naturally to this mess because I lived with a very angry mother Mm -hmm. an, an abusive mother a mother who had rage and then I went to a church that was very evangelical in fact I grew up in a cult and one of the ideas was you don't and I have a younger brother who's brilliant and lived life completely different than me and I saw the trouble he got in and so I was like, okay, I know that you feel that way, mm. but then let give yourself another idea. So there's a, um, a Jewish tradition around Passover where they sing this song, and the song then in the response is, it would have been enough. It mm. would have been mm. enough. It would have been enough. Like we were, if we were just delivered from Egypt, it wouldn't have been enough. If we didn't get to see the sea part, it would have been enough. So there's this really weird twisted thing that was given to me was, there are so many people who are hurting worse than you. Yeah. How dare you? I yeah. mean, can't you just accept the good? Can't you just mm-hmm. overlook this? And and I didn't have a voice or any kind of autonomy to say, hey, because that's really what I think anger, again, based on the things that really smart people have said, is that anger is there for a moment, like when the boundary has been crossed. You need to ha- hey, go, whoa, stop. Mm-hmm. But then that's all there has to be. Yeah. And that to me is the weirdness where because of the dynamic of my family and in my spiritual culture was given, you just don't confront it. I mean, mm-hmm. my brother was two years younger than me and was confronting things from, the I think, the moment he was born. <laughs> and I, I judged that life as much harder. I was like, well, here's what I'll do. If yeah. you tell me that you're angry, I see that you're angry. I will rectify the situation. And then I will take your anger and I will rehearse it mm-hmm. so as never to do that again to not let you be angry. But again, that's the child. Yeah. But I'm doing this still as an adult yeah. as opposed to going, whoa, back it up. Dennis and I were just reading something the other day and they were talking about the emotion of anger in your body. It done correctly and healthy, only lasts 15 seconds. It, oh, they can measure gosh. it. If it's longer than 50 seconds, you've gone into something else. You have not experienced the anger. Now you're you chose yeah. to go into something else. Whether you chose it, consciously do you remember or what it was? Did, no, like but what? I can find it for you. Because I know in Hebrew, like the word anger, it it it, ref, it means like a flaring of the nostrils, right? Because yes. that's part of that's like part of what it looks like and on the face. Yeah, and so that's that's why it's called that is that that flaring of the nostrils. But I like I like, I'm exactly same as you. Push that underground, and um it becomes like this underground boiling river of liquid hot magma that then, if not addressed, these minor punctures in the surface will lead to these volcanic eruptions, which is why I love Can the- you describe your volcanic eruption? What does it look like to be in your presence and you to be angry? Yeah, because oh, I think it's very boy. important to identify because mine- I know it's different. <laughs> yeah. So but someone if, might assume if you are by that furious, statement. you're feeling hot, your skin mm-hmm. is itchy, you cannot believe this is or, happening. Or cracked. I mean, yeah. what, what is the burst? Oh, I get, I get very efficient and productive. So. Which is the intent of anger. Anger is supposed to push you I will into st- changing something. I will start cleaning. Mm. I will start doing dishes. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Loudly enough... So that, that know other people it. can see that I'm doing it, can feel my displeasure that they're not doing it, and then the self-righteous kick of, and here I am again doing what you won't do. 
Like that's typically what it looks like. And so here's what's awful is that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't look good on a grown man anyways in a home. It looks even less appealing on a pastor Mm. of a church. And I would do the same thing. Um, You know, you can't get people to volunteer for the kids ministry. Why aren't people showing up for worship practice? Where were they this Sunday? Oh, you were vacationing again. Well, that's that's nice, right? Like it just can get so. <laughs> so that's what it looks like. What's interesting? I get busy. You know, going the wrong direction. It has with still within it the intent to punish people in some fashion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, yeah. I mean to shame you in that sense is is your consequence. And and for for my kind of anger, it's like, well, we'll just inflict the, the pain, the, the amount of pain that we judge you deserve <laughs> based on. The amount of pain we're feeling. I don't know why that makes me laugh. I just, there's a part of me that wishes I could do that because I could just be done with the thing so much faster. Oh, that's a good part because there's a lot of science that says that's what anger is meant to do. And they said the way to, and I've done a lot of reading on this, again, because of my incompetency. But can I say it doesn't, just just for the record? Oh. No, no, it, it does if it's healthy. All. That's what they're saying. Yeah, uh, no. If it's healthy. So, no, yeah, but what you're saying is, too, it always uh, it feels like the other side is, it would always be the grass yeah. greeners, right? So this is a conglomeration of a lot of other, obviously this is not the one definition of anger that is helpful or healing but healthy anger is experienced as a vibrant emotion focused on resolving a problem or communicating a felt injustice. The feeling is short-lived, dissolves, once worked toward a resolution. Healthy anger is expressed with no vindictiveness, mm. and both parties leave feeling okay about themselves. Mm. I'm like, well, I've never experienced that in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel dumb that whatever I did, whatever I said, whatever I permitted made you have to have that feeling so now I'm unsafe and that's ridiculous I mean when Mm -hmm. I say it out loud that's ridiculous what you do is your behavior I'm not in charge of that even as a child you know even in parenting our children that's your consequence love you you didn't put those shoes away I think that you have to though be able to kind of identify that anger um, has for us produced some kind of pain some kind of sorrow some kind of regret so you have to, I think, make some point of a connection of going, okay, it wasn't anger, it was what I did with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. what my problem has been is that I didn't pass go and pass, you know, collect my two hundred dollars. I went straight to shame because I knew what anger eventually gave me anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was going to get angry. And what was modeled to me was the louder person wins, the the more aggressive person. So I bullied. Yeah. And then there's tremendous shame for how that's hurt my wife, my family, even people on the street that I don't know. Why did I behave to one of God's children like that? You know. So mm-hmm. there's there's that whole thing. So the minute that the feeling of anger came up, then I, uh, shame was already there. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yep. And so I think that for for all of us. There would be, um, uh, you know, an important distinction to say, you know, anger is a part of the emotion of the human experience, and in and of itself, it is not evil. Yeah, right. And I felt like it was, you know, that it was demonic or whatever, you know, and it was like, you know, immediately I had just saw there, there could, there, could, there was a no-win situation there. Yeah, it, it reminds me of what you were saying just a second ago, distinguishing I'm not my feeling. 
And have you read uh, Susan David? I love her stuff. Oh, her book, Emotional Agility, is unbelievable. And she talks about how our feelings are like clouds. And they come, and, and they then go. they go. And I am not the cloud, and I'm an, obser- I'm an observer, and I'm going to be here after that thing's gone. But man, like... But that's a practice of mindfulness, of being aware of yourself. And that mm-hmm. is, a is obviously, the scripture talks about meditation and all of those things as well. But that is a practice that I think comes with maturity. Yeah. Or intentional learning. People saying, maybe I do need to dig up where I got this definition or what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love that idea. What you were talking about is when people were given the law, people either abided by it or didn't. But then there's those that abided by it and then became very resentful of the others who weren't doing the (laughs) same thing. I mean, it's really clear here. Why aren't we doing this? You know? Yeah. So and then frustrated at what it appeared to me was the scripture is given. This is the way self-control is something. Catherine was laughing at me because she we both saw this pillow and it's a decorative pillow. And um, it said self-control on it she just said it was from instagram she's like you would love this pillow and i was like yes i would (laughs) and then i want everyone else to love it as much as i do see this is how it would all be better if we could practice this control of self which is different i mean i think it's so pharisaical isn't it for us then to go this works for me so i really you know then it needs to work for you and in fact if you don't work it i'm going to judge you for not using that pillow yeah you know what i mean you know, the other thing that I uh, think about when you ask the question, what does it look like on you, is what I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago when we talked, which was realizing that I am a bully with my resentment. I didn't, I didn't recognize this until I had this moment of awareness not long ago. Um, like, I threaten my lovely wife with my resentment. And so here's, here's like a story to kind of put it in uh, 3D. So she, for years, she'd been after me, like you need to, you really need to get a, a new car, a nicer car. Uh, when we moved to Florida, I was driving a 1990 Honda Accord. Uh, and then I jumped up to a, I owned a 2000 Honda Accord. I came into the new millennium. It was still like almost 20 years old. Uh, it didn't look great, but it had low mileage and it ran and yeah, I, I was happy with it, but she was just always on me. Like you need to get a new car. This thing really looks bad. So one day I finally went in. I just stopped in to see if there would be anything at the dealership that I would like. And lo and behold, there was, it was, newer it was nicer and so i i called her and said hey i'm at the dealership you know i finally decided to do what you've been telling me to do and here i am and i and i found one and you know we have this agreement we don't make big purchases without communicating to the other so i think i'm gonna do this thing and she was like i don't know i don't know if i want to spend the money now we had just had a conversation about how much she values a clean house and why we agreed to spend $75 a month to have someone come to our home and, and clean the house because Trisha values it, it unnerves her when the house is a mess. She can't always get to it. And I'm just like, wait a second. 
we made this decision for you because this is what you value. And now here I am trying to do the same thing, but you don't want to spend money on that. You want to spend money on yourself, but you don't want to spend money for something like this for me. And I, I said to her, listen, if I don't get this car, I, I'm not coming back. I'm not doing this again. I will drive that car until the wheels fall off. And basically, I threatened her. Like, you do this to me. I don't like how it feels. And if I don't get my way, and I felt so justified in the moment. But I, I never realized that I was threatening her with my resentment. Here's what your future is going to look like if I don't get my way right now. And I felt justified because I feel like there's this lifetime of, I do this for you. Well, I do that for this other person. I do that for this community. And for God's sake, why can't there be a moment where somebody does this for me? <laughs> it sounds so childish. <laughs> but I think what you're saying, and I think it's a correct assumption, it is childish because when you were a child is when you began mm. to feel those things. And then someone, I don't know, I don't know your family, but I suspect they didn't give you any kind of practice or competency in how oh, to no. feel anger, how to say, I'm upset about <laughs> right. this. You know, so, you know, in my situation, it was don't say anything. Yeah. Do not rock this boat. If this is anger, wait until you see what is coming for you right behind it. Mm -hmm. So hush. Mm -hmm. You know, so then again, we go into this adult thing and, and we have a little bit more power. So we use that probably incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And and but we haven't gone back to the original source go. Who taught me how to be angry? Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, and here's the here's the type A response to uh, any given situation. You know, I would bully in a different way. You know, uh, I don't like what what's going on here. I turn the table over in the kitchen, and everything's broken. The kids are crying. They run off, or I threaten. You know, I'm effing out of here. Mm -hmm. You know, unless stuff starts turning around, mm -hmm. it's still bullying. You know, so anger can lead to that that bullying, mm -hmm. you know, from whatever. And, and for us to kind of admit that that was bullying to me, no, I was just pissed. And so I was just kind of venting or I didn't mean it, you know, mm -hmm. so you're back or or so my point is that you have to kind of get to the 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 place of awareness of admitting, okay, that is a bullying behavior. That's an inappropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. the, in this scenario or instance or example, mm -hmm. it's, it's bullying, but whatever it is, recognizing the inappropriate behavior and the, the awareness of it, and then finding the triggers right before that right. happens. Cause for me, it was like the shame was always, I don't know what happened. I was just zero to 10, you know, mm -hmm. it just went you know, so when I when I backed off, you know, and I and I started in and I haven't mastered that, but to the area that I'm walking, it's success over my anger. It's it's first of all, it's not a failure the minute you feel anger, but if you associate it with that shame, and and like Heather said, so much of it is the wiring of a child. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, you felt that way, you did that way, and it's crazy that you're an adult and forty years have passed, but in your mind, it is the same learned response and we haven't 
challenged it mm-hmm. to go, wait a minute. No, I, I'm not. I'm an adult. I have a million different choices now. I don't have the same choice. And for me, it's over if you already, you know, the minute I feel it, the shame's there, you know, mm-hmm. then I've never really, so I can go feelings. They're neither wrong or right. There are my feelings. That That is so good. And it makes me think about the things that we do as children in order to survive. Yeah. They, they're good for us. They keep us alive. Like, cause you could yeah. avoid a beating in my house. Mine too. By biting that back. But, but then you turn into adult, an adult and the thing that helped you survive is now imprisoning you. Yeah. And it's no, it's not serving you anymore. Yeah. It's not, it's not helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the beauty of what's offered to us in the Christian baptism is that it's, it's a new family. And when you're in a new family, you get to be able to experience and live out of a whole other way yeah. of relationship. Yeah. And really understanding that we, you know, are, are gifted the opportunity as an adult to live differently in, in God's kingdom. What does it look like? Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, Jesus did a beautiful job with that. I think that people you know, have twisted that up for us. You, we were talking moments ago about what it looks like to be angry. And so I did something foolish and asked my children what it was like. Like, how do you experience <laughs> me that. when I'm angry? And I was, I mean, I asked the question, so I thought there would be an answer, but I thought that they would say something like, oh, you know, we've never experienced that. You know, whatever <laughs> I was trying to mask and hold back and all those things, I thought that that's what was going to be their answer. And we had been I don't know, we had been to a zoo and we had been all standing together as a family watching meerkats. And it was Catherine who said, this is what it's like for us. You're the mother meerkat. And we're all playing around, which we saw them doing. Like as a little family unit, it was so cute. Little tiny baby meerkats, and the, uh, which I assumed to be the mother, could have been the father, I don't know for sure. But there was adult, it was much larger, bunch of little baby kits. And they're just tumbling and playing and playing. And then at one moment, the mom stood up and her ears were flared and everything was stopped and then the babies stopped playing and then they started looking around and she said that's what it's like to be in relationship with you at any mm. moment we never know when it's coming you sense danger that no one else sees mm. that no one else might be even experiencing and then you want the world to stop and we've got to fix whatever danger you feel is there mm. may or may not be true and so that was just really i mean a gift in the sense that mm-hmm. that's what it's like you know and i know she wasn't wrong mm-hmm. I mean, in her uh, that is really what happens that heightened i'll stop this by changing my behavior or i'll give placate somebody else instead mm-hmm. of going mm, no that's that that has nothing to do with me yeah. and there's a lot of uh giftedness that comes from recognizing my belovedness my worthiness has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. how you feel with me how you judge me mm-hmm. that being content and going you know you can be angry and i understand that may be true but so I'm the meerkat you've been listening to season two of the so much more podcast with Dennis and Heather Drake we want to take a moment and express our sincerest thanks for the investment of your time and if you're interested in continuing a conversation or more information about what we discussed please email us at so much more podcast at gmail.com if you're interested in some of the creative projects that Dennis has done you can find out more information at drakeandsons.com or find us on Twitter at so much more podcast. We'd love to hear from you.